Welcome to another episode of The Deep Dive, where we are starting a new series called United Together, where we're looking at different passages uh, in Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church. And uh, today, uh, joined by Pastor Chris Bantz from our St. Charles campus, rocking his local 636. Yes. T-shirt. What's the, the story behind the, the 636? Uh, well, so that's our, our, area, our code, area code, right, for right. St. Charles. And there's kind of a brand that promotes St. Charles and um, all things happening in St. Charles. And so, yeah. Cool. Cool. They, cool. they do T-shirts. They do T-shirts. They, um, yeah, do support local businesses and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Have you ever worked out of their office? They've got a kind of a cool little common space. Yeah, no, I haven't. I, I'm mostly just posted up at either Upshot or Course. Yeah, well, good places. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so today we're starting a new series. It's my goal. I know, man, I feel like I said this in a couple episodes ago that, man, I've been so inconsistent with releasing deep dive episodes. Um, like in Daniel, for instance, we did chapters one, chapters two through five, and then chapter six. And so three episodes uh, for that Um my goal for this series is to be on top of it and get these things out on the weekly. Okay. Um, because the First Corinthians, what we're doing in this series is we are. Um, it's kind of a topical series in that we're we're we've identified different areas of uh, where there might be division in the church and um, pulled from the letter to just yeah speak to particular subjects or topics. Um, and so there's things in the letter that we're not actually going to talk about in the sermons. Um, there's going to be chapters that we just don't get to. And so the deep dive, I think, would be a great opportunity for us to hit some of those things. Um, but also, like, this series, at least, you know, we planned these things eight, nine months ago. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a, a timely uh, series for, yeah. you know, when you look at culture, when you look at society, all the differences, uh, divisions, polarizations. Um, politically, socially, I mean, all these, you name it. Um, but then even for our particular church, um, yeah. our local church, um, there's, this is, again, a timely series. Like, what does it look like to pursue unity um, despite different experiences, despite different uh, opinions on things, despite um, kind of a, a murky, cloudy, like, hey, who even are we right now as a church? And what does yeah. God have for us next? Um so I think it's going to be a really good uh, study. And so in today's episode, what I want to do is kind of just set the context for 1 Corinthians, like what's mm-hmm. what's going on, why is Paul writing them, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, look at um, kind of the end of chapter 1 and, and chapter 2, because uh, we're not going to, like we're going to talk, actually I'm going to use chapter 2 uh, this weekend, but um, we're not going to like preach it expositorily. And so I do think there's something that Paul's doing here that... That is unique that we don't see in other places um, uh, in the New Testament. So, uh, I guess yeah, let's start with just context, Chris. What's what's going on? Yeah. So in the Church of Corinth, um, they don't have it all figured out. No. Um, which I think is a no. fair fair statement. Yeah. Which should give us some hope, right? Yeah. Like because we're prone to see brokenness in our local churches and think the sky is falling, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, there was brokenness in churches from the first century on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we like to um, idealize, romanticize, like, the early church. Like, yes. oh, our church is, we just need to get back to the early church model. Like, we just need to be biblical in yeah. how we do church. And it's like, have you read the New Testament? Yeah. 
Like they did a lot great. I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, but yeah. they, they also had like their fair share of stuff to deal with. Yeah. So in in Corinth, um, you know, there's debate, there's commentaries, there's speculation on exactly what the scandal is and and to what degree. But but yeah, you have you have divisions, you have scandal, you have brokenness happening. Mm-hmm. Um, in the church at Corinth, and so Paul is going to write a letter to them to say, hey, knock it off, get together, um, be unified in these key core tenets like, you know, the Spirit and God's mm-hmm. Word and, like, faithfulness and, and, like, you know, get united in these things and move forward. Like, stop fracturing. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Yeah. And Corinth was uh, uniquely situated, right? So mm-hmm. where it was, it's kind of at this crossroads of different trade routes. Yeah. Um, it was, so you had a lot of kinds of people, right? You had people who were very wealthy because of where it was in the trade trade routes. You had these um, business guilds. Um, you had a lot of um, different um, people who were worshiping different gods and different religions. It's kind of this like, yeah, it's this this marketplace of mm-hmm. um, ideas and socioeconomics and um, all of these things that, that sh- shouldn't necessarily cause division within the church, but like you can't not bring it with you too. Mm-hmm. Like it existed um, in Corinth. And so I actually think in a lot of ways, Corinth is like a modern day, you know, what we experience in the United States. Um mm-hmm. Uh, and so, anyway, th- that's kind of the, the context for which Paul um, is writing. And in the end of chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2, um, Paul talks about this idea of wisdom and how it relates to the cross and how it relates to Christ. And um, it, it's interesting because Paul, um, as we've, we've talked about multiple occasions, right, this guy was, you know, if, if you could, you know, create, like, top draft pick for you know, fantasy board of missionaries, like Paul was yeah. it. Um, he was uh, Greek educated. Mm-hmm. Um, he was Jewish by religion and heritage. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a Roman citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a, a tent maker, right? He had this other this other side hustle, <laughs> you yeah. know, as well. And all of these things, you know, put together just make him a great conduit and vehicle for what God's wanting to do yes. um, to the Gentile world. Um, as part of that, though, especially with his Greek education, like he was trained in the art of rhetoric. Yeah, like he could go to the public square. We see this in uh, in Athens in um, uh, Acts seventeen. Like he can go in uh, those uh, logos, pathos, ethos, like the mm-hmm. these 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 uh, um, yeah these schools of rhetoric. Like he was schooled, and yeah. yet he chooses not to do the thing. When mm-hmm. he goes and preaches in Corinth, mm-hmm. like what's going on with that? Yeah. Well, you know, to your point, Paul is this really unique guy who's a bit like a unicorn, and we would do well to remember that Rome. This is overtly simplified, but Rome put roads on Greek thought, mm-hmm. so this is still holdover. And Paul has an extreme um, handling of the Old Testament scriptures well due to oral memorization that like we would be quite envious of. Mm -hmm. Um, So all these things are at play here. Um, But Paul is ultra savvy when it comes to knowing his audience. Mm -hmm. Like there are times where he gets so frustrated 
with the Jews where he just kind of says, uh, the blood's on your head, I'm leaving. Yeah. Um, and then there's other moments like at Mars Hill where he's celebrating and observing the culture around him and he does lean into the Greek philosophy mm-hmm. and then he pivots to say, oh, but you're missing this yeah. one thing. And so I think in, in Corinth, you're going to see him uniquely interact with those people in maybe a less, um, you know, a less didactic way, a less like philosophical way, because sometimes the the cognitive, intellectual, philosophical way, sometimes that is the net you need to catch some people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's not the net. Like sometimes you need to be more, you know, like a, a mother hen who gathers her chicks, you know. So there's a there's a variety of ways to act, interact with the local churches. Yeah. Yeah, in the ancient world. Yeah. So in chapter one, uh, Paul, he's setting the table for, you know, what's going to come, you know, throughout this letter, um, acknowledging, hey, there's divisions in this church, mm-hmm. right? There are different people uh, who are following different leaders, whether it's Apollos, whether it's himself, Paul, whether it's Cephas, uh, which is Peter. Um, some are just saying, hey, listen, I just follow Jesus. Like, yeah, uh, it's a trump card there. And um, he asks this question, is Christ divided? Um, you know, I baptize, this is Paul, none of you, uh, except for Crispus and, and Ga- uh, Gaius. Um, so that none of you can say you were baptized in my name. And then in 17, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a fascinating line, right? Because when I think about like, I mean, we prepare messages, sermons, like yeah. the way we say things matters, mm-hmm. the way we structure our arguments, the way we structure our, our main points and the illustrations yeah. that we use. And yet Paul is saying like, not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. What's, what's going on there? Like, mm-hmm. why would he choose to not use all of these other tools that he has at his disposal? Yeah, because he's, he's not going to do anything that might be a stumbling block. He's not going to use anything that may be a detractor or a sidebar or a rabbit hole. Like, mm-hmm. um, think of what Paul could have done when it comes to, you know, whether people are celebrating him or Apollos or someone else. Paul, in a prideful moment, could have run the opposite direction and elevated his speech even more Mm -hmm. to draw attention to Mm -hmm. himself and to say, hey, look at my rhetoric, look at my knowledge of the Old Testament. Yeah, Apollos, yeah, he's okay, but I'm really the preacher you want to be listening to. So if the temptation to pride would have been received and and acted upon, Mm -hmm. Paul really could have gone to a place of elevating himself over other teachers and elders and pastors Mm -hmm. of his day. Um, but in this moment, he's saying, okay, um, that's actually not the path I'm going to want to take because it might just spark even further debate of who's greater, Paul or Apollos or whoever. Yeah. Um, I think – so I, I recently got done teaching a, a C.S. Lewis class, and yeah. I think C.S. Lewis is an incredible example of this. Like this is a guy that is running in Cambridge and Oxford circles, mm-hmm. and he could have put forward the most intellectual – argument on the face of the earth. Like he was, he could go toe to toe with the best minds of his day. And he had the degrees and the expertise and the, you know, accumulation of knowledge to back it up. But what does he do? He actually often runs to emotive 
everyday commonplaces because he knows for the random guy walking the streets of London or Liverpool that will never set foot in a classroom in Mm -hmm. Cambridge or Oxford, like, how do they see the cross? How do they see the gospel? And so Lewis is not going to write in a way that's a stumbling block for them to see the cross to overcomplicate things. Mm. So I think that's maybe a slightly more modern example of something that Paul is demonstrating of like, okay, why would I go to great lengths to make things more complicated that would be potentially Mm self-serving or um, divisive if the cross being seen is the focal point of everything I'm about. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's great. Okay. That's great. I want to just read a few more verses here. Um, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. And then verse 20. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. It's interesting because, at least in Jewish circles, um, even in the Old Testament, right, the um, w- wisdom would not be associated with someone who hangs on a tree. Right. Right? I mean, that, those, are, curse. those are two, right, very um, opposite <laughs> things. Yeah. And so I think Paul's doing something here. Um but I do think that so often, um, yeah, the, the, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of men are not synonymous. Mm-hmm. So, so my question, I guess, you know, Chris, is, is Paul, I do think that he always has the mission at hand. What, mm-hmm. what does my audience need to hear? Um, what do I need to say to, as to not get in the way of the gospel? Um, but is there also something crafted in his arguments that hey, listen, the thing that, that I'm pointing to, right, that um, death is actually gain, <laughs> not life. Um, the cross is true power. It's not a curse. Like, is he, is he, is there something in the water there of like, even the way he's, he's communicating this, this gospel message yeah. that like, even in the, even rooted in the argument itself and the way he's saying it speaks to what true wisdom is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think we would misunderstand Paul here to think that he's saying something about the Christian faith being unreasonable. Mm-hmm. The reason why he's pointing to things like folly is to say, this is a kingdom that is upside down. Mm. Like, no matter how eloquent you could argue it, um, it is the economy of God's kingdom, the value system of God's kingdom is going to run against the grain of not only the Roman Empire, but the fallenness yeah. and brokenness of a post-Genesis 3 world. Yeah. And so um, some of the things that Christians are going to do, surrender, self-sacrifice, martyrdom, like all these things that are in the water in the first mm-hmm. century church are going to seem like folly to a kingdom that has built itself on being a great military power, kind Mm -hmm. of the power center of the world, whereas 
thriving and survival and self-preservation are going to be massive yeah. values. And now you've got Christians living this self-sacrificial way. It's like the kingdom's been flipped upside, upside down. down. So it, it's not an unreasonableness. It is a contrariness. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. Uh, 26, for consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. I think, you know, Paul, obviously, he is so um, adept at understanding his audience and always rooting the thing that he is um, speaking about in the, the gospel message. So, so what's the... What's one of the greatest divisions, right, in this church is you have these different leaders, these different individuals who um, others are, 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 are trusting or are preferring or um, what, have, what have you. And he, Paul's just like tearing it all down. He's like, mm-hmm. no, no, none of that, right? Like we only boast in, in, in God, which is very contrary um, to everything the world uh, is leading. Um, so Chris, what, I guess like we have a few minutes left, uh, pastorally, like what do we do with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think pastorally, maybe two or three lessons to be learned is, um, one, each audience, we should be ready to give an answer for each audience according to, um, what could be seen as effective or wise in that moment. That doesn't mean you water down or you change the message mm-hmm. itself, um, but we should be ready to give an account yep. for the hope that is within us. And sometimes that's packaged slightly differently depending on the audience we're around. Yeah. Number two is um, we have to accept at some level there is a uh, not only a mystery, but a, um, you know, how do, how do I put this? There, there is aspects of our faith and our way of life and the way relate, we relate to God in the universe that if, if, we're, if we're not content until others uh-huh. affirm or condone or say, yeah, that makes sense, if we're waiting for that, we may never get it. Yeah. Because our, the, the economy and the value system of God's kingdom in at least 1%, maybe 99%, is always going to run contrary uh-huh. to whatever context we find ourselves in. And so, you know... If we're waiting for the day where others around us, non-believers, say, oh, yeah, the, the way you live just mm-hmm. makes total, absolute sense, like, we're going to be waiting until we die. Yeah. Because yeah. the way we speak, the way we love, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, like, this should all, to some degree, run contrary to a value system that is quite different from our kingdom. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's that's another important thing. And I think in all of that, we can learn from Paul, like, um, if we do develop our skills, if we do develop our wealth or whatever, our mm-hmm. standing in life, there will be the temptation eventually to say, oh, yeah, I am better than Apollos. And, and, and in that moment, yeah. um, do we have the humility? Do we have the heart shaped by Christ to say, no, we, we only boast in Christ? And, and it can't be a, 
you know, I, I think about like an author of a book, but then sometimes there's like an et al and there's like mm-hmm. other names yeah, listed. Yeah, yeah. I sometimes think we think the kingdom is like that, where it's like, yeah, Jesus is the big name, but make sure my name is on the cover of the book too, yeah. below Jesus's. Even if the font is smaller, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's still yeah. got to be there. It's still there. That's the temptation. That's that's the, you can be like God whisper that comes to us echoes from the garden. So I think we just, we have to combat that to say, no, like we're okay if our name's not on the cover at all, because the boast is exclusively um, the folly of the cross in, yeah. in Jesus. Um, and it's, yeah. that's easy to say. Oh, it's so easy to say. I, <laughs> I was even thinking just from like a, an ego standpoint, right? Paul, like started this church, like he preached the gospel yeah. in Corinth. Yes. He's getting invited to the conferences. Yeah, 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 and yet, like, I, what? What's the effect on him to hear like, oh, now he started this thing, and then now all these other people are coming in, and they're getting influence, and they're the ones that are listening to. And some people are like, hey, we don't even need to probably listen to this Paul guy anymore because, hey, Apollos, man, he has some real flowery rhetoric. Like yeah. he's a little edgy when he preaches. Uh, we like him. Um, yeah, what's that effect on on him? And I think we see throughout. Throughout Corinthians, um, I mean, Apollos is mentioned uh, in four, you know, three or four different chapters, and so there's something happening there. And I, I think when I first read Corinthians, I was younger. I'm just like, who's this Apollos guy? Like, what a what a fuddy duddy, you know? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> who, who? What's happening here? Um, Paul's not condemning Apollos. Mm-hmm. He's no. he's he's condemning the. Um, unnecessary divisions and the unnecessary focus uh, on the human rather than the Christ. Yeah. And I think Paul's working with an understanding of a mustard seed kingdom where one plants, one waters, one sees the growth. And there's like, there's so many roles to play along that journey. Yeah. And you you don't really know at any given point if you're the one planting, tilling, watering, mm-hmm. or you know, then finally, you know, when you see the growth, it's 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 obvious, and that gives us hindsight. But yeah, but when you're in the work of being discipled by Jesus and making disciples, yeah. you know, um, you don't always know in the timeline where you're at in that, um, and that's probably a bit frustrating to us. But it does give us this perspective mm-hmm. to say, I don't have to be the hero of the story. I don't have to be the one hitting the home run. Yeah. Like, I don't have to be the one that receives all the accolades or pats on the back for this or this or this. Like, I can be a part of the process in which the mustard seed is germinating into something quite beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Well, Chris, thanks for joining. Uh, Next week, we will continue in this series. We'll look at what does it look like to be united together um, in spite of our differences, right? As... Yeah. As people who've been created in God's image, um, we all we, we have natural differences, and that's okay. How do we celebrate those things and yet still pursue um, unity? So I uh, hope that you will uh, check us out for that. Uh, you can find this resource and more on our website, calvary.church slash united together um, or calvary.church slash resources. Uh, as always, if you have a question, 
Uh, if you want to give us some feedback, if you have a question you want us to wrestle with on a future episode, uh, email us at podcasts at calvary.church. Um, we will uh, both respond to you via email and then also collect those and use those um, as a special Ask the Pastor section um, in a future episode. So go in grace and peace, um, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks for listening to The Deep Dive, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.